Hey, 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 everybody. It is me, Heath Armstrong, and this is the Archapreneur Now podcast. I am your host, and I am here to give you a virtual high five, kick you in the ass, whatever you need to get you up and doing what you truly love to be doing. My guest today is Rachel Kennedy. She's a local artist around here in Lexington, and I met her at a music festival recently. Amazing artwork on old window panes that she pulls out of houses and things like that. And we get into kind of following your dream as a secondary thing. You know, she has a family, she has a full-time job, but she is tackling her dream and, and have, has started to revolutionize herself recently, later in life. And, it, and it's an amazing story. We get into persistence and why it's key. We get into how she dumpster dives to find the canvases that she's creating on, which is awesome. Uh, lighting up your life, just just kickstarting it, doing it, going out there and doing it, not being afraid of it. Uh, we're going to get into the exact process of what she's doing with her artwork and how getting out and meeting people is so, so important. So I hope everybody is going to enjoy this episode 41 of The Archipreneur Now. And here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stinky, stinky, rickety, dickety beat. Yeah. Here we go now. Who wants to get funky? Who wants to get a little creative out there? Which one of you want to get a little bit artsy now? Then get on with your bad self. She gets funky, she gets artsy, and she knows how to turn ordinary items into colorful keepers. She's in the thick of it all, creating the life she loves one day at a time out of Lexington, Kentucky. Rachel Kennedy. Rachel, you are the entrepreneur now. What is going on? Yay, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm just really excited to be here. And um, what a cool introduction. You're right. It's high energy and I love it. <laughs> I know. I, I wish, you know, sometimes I do these videos. Sometimes I do them audio. It depends on the latency. And I've had some internet connectivity problems lately where I've been doing more audio uh, but when I used to do them on video, you should have seen some of those people's faces. I was like, oh, are they going to hang up? Are they going to hang up? <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not doing a video because my house is extremely messy right now. So I went to the cleanest spot I could find just in case it was video. It's just our front room. So <laughs> That's what happens when you have little minions running around. That's exactly right. Yeah, minions is correct. They're more like a screaming horde. I mean, they're just, they, they've just totally taken over my life in a wonderful way, but they drive me nuts too. Yeah, so Rachel's amazing. I actually met her locally at a, a small little one-day music festival they had at a vineyard out here where Moon Taxi was headlining. There was a couple other bands, and she had a booth set up, and I was kind of just walking around gazing, and she had some amazing artwork that she had done on window panes, like old window panes that were taken out of houses. And I guess the name of her art company that she's kind of molded is View, which makes some sense, and I'll let her get into how she came up with that name in a second. Uh, but she's she's got a unique story because she's just like me and she's just like most of our listeners to where 
she just started trying to create this life that she loves, and she's got all that passion behind her and all that kickstart. So I'm so excited to talk to her today. So Rachel, how do you feel uh, taking a, a step in the right direction? Man, I am just thrilled. Totally thrilled. Um, I never in a million years thought that I would enjoy doing this as much as I do. I mean, I just, you know, I, I love coming home and doing it. I would do it all the time if I could. You know, I just feel like, um, you know, like you find your niche, you know, and I, and I can't believe it's this because it's kind of weird, you know, like they're panes of glass and windows and stuff like that. But uh, I love it. I love it. I love the challenge of it. It's, it's super exciting. And I just, you know, I love it. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how it'll just blindside you one day. You just you're going on with the day as normal and then you start doing something like that and you never realize how much you can actually love something and put passion into something until you start doing something that you truly, truly care about and you get that energy behind you. And then from there, it just takes off. I mean, I, I can ask you right now, like, is there any way you would just stop, you know? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I could. I wouldn't, I would not, I would not be happy. I mean, I, I would feel like I was missing like a, a chunk of my world. I mean, it just, you know, I, there's just no, there's nothing else. I mean, besides my family and stuff, there's nothing that I do that I enjoy this much. Yeah. It's so important for people to hear that because I know everyone tries things out and then they quit and they try things out and then they quit. Yeah. It, I mean, I've done so many times, you know, and especially around new year's, everyone gets these resolutions and they go out and they do it for like seven days. I think that's like the average until they stop doing it. Right. And, right. You get caught up, you know, on the internet and you're like, Hey, that looks so cool. And you go try it and you're like, Oh no, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. But when you find that one thing that you, that truly drives you, that really, really penetrates the heart. Uh, I think that everyone out there, if you haven't found it yet, keep looking and keep trying and what, what truly excites you? Like what can you wake up every day and think about and say, wow, that really honestly puts a wind behind me brings my energy up and seriously excites me because that's what you need to follow. Don't worry about anything else. If you have a job, like I have a full-time job and Rachel has a full-time job, you can yeah. do this on the side a little bit at a time and mold your way into doing it full-time if you really put your heart into it. But just remember that it's something that you love. So there's no point in not doing it, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I would totally agree. I just feel like, you know, when you, when you know, you know, you know, they always say that, you know, about love and, you know, all this stuff. But for me, it's kind of been this, you know, uh, I didn't ever think that I would enjoy painting old windows. I mean, I know it sounds crazy. And um, and I don't even really care even so much if I'm even really good at it. You know what I mean? I love it and I'll probably continue to do it. I mean, it tickles me that that some people seem to enjoy it. Um, and that is just icing on the cake. But um, I just love it so much that I don't even care if I'm awful at it. <laughs> so at the music festival, she had a booth set up and I'm looking at her work like, wow, this is amazing. And she tells me that it's actually the first time she's ever done that. And I think if I remember correctly, you had said one of your friends saw your work and was like, you need to come out here and do this with me. Is that right? Yeah, it was um, it was kind of crazy. It was, uh, you know, I really feel like um, the Lord led um, my husband, who's just been fantastic through all this, um, to, you know, say to me, you know, Rachel, I think you really have a talent and, you know, I don't think of myself as a very talented person. Um, you know, so when people say that, you know, it makes me a little self-conscious and, you know, I'm kind of like, no, you know, I'm really not, you know, 
but I think I'm creative, you know, and I think that that's a huge part of it. Um, but then my sister-in-law as well was like, you know, Rachel, you really need to do this. You really need to do this. And they just kind of kept on me and kept on me. And she actually, I don't think she was out there at the time that you came by, but, um, she actually went with me and set up. And then I have a really good friend that I work with Brooke, who was also out there at the booth next to me, who was really encouraging me as well. So, um, it was a very safe, um, time for me, you know, like, um, because it's a very vulnerable spot, you know, when you're just like kind of just starting to do something like this, um, you're, you're really unsure. You're like, you know, what if, you know, like that Adam Sandler skip, they're all skit. They're all going to laugh at me. You know, what if you go out there and everybody's like, this is awful. What a joke, you know? And, um, and, but it was, it was really great because my husband was there and he's encouraging me, you know, Rachel, you need to work on your windows tonight. And, you know, yeah, you need to take them out there. Um, so it was really good for me to know that I had that safety, you know what I mean? Like it, you want to be in a spot where, where you don't feel vulnerable, you know, and it is a, it's a really, it's a very exposing thing when you put yourself out there like that. Yeah. And it is stepping out of the comfort zone. I mean, you you have to take that step over that fence and get a little funky and do a little boogie and everything is going to be uncomfortable before it's comfortable. And so when you have this community around you that's supporting you and saying, hey, you know, if if one person tells you that they like something, chances are that's not the only person. If you've got a talent, you might be the only person in the world that thinks you have it, but you probably haven't showed it to anybody else. And once you start doing that and then you start asking people and telling people what you actually love to do, there's so many people out there that want to build that community around you and help support you. And that just adds fuel to the fire, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would totally agree. Um, you know, uh, it just is, it's it's overwhelming, you know, when, you, when you've never done it before. It's overwhelming. Um, but the great thing is that I love doing it so much. Like I said before, it's okay if it's even awful, you know, if, if nobody else likes it. I mean, I like it, you know, and I, and I think that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. So h- how did you get, when, when did you first decide you were going to take, you know, windows, old windows and start painting them up? How did that come about? Oh my gosh. Um, my husband looked like crazy when he saw me dragging him into the garage. Um, I was driving down the road one day and, um, little house around the block from us, I guess they're replacing some windows or something, but they were out and, um, by the side of the road. And I became one of these people that dig through people's trash. (laughs) I was like, I've got to get those. I drove by them one time and I was embarrassed and I was like, I'm not going to stop and get those windows. But I'm like, they're so cool. And so I had to turn around and go back. But, um, and, and so I knocked on the guy's door and I was like, Hey, are you throwing these out? And he was like, yeah, take them. And I was like, Oh, cool. And so I loaded them up and, um, and I put them in the garage and my husband is like, what are you going to do with those? And I was like, I'm going to decorate them. And I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. But, um, but I knew I was, you know, I knew they were going to be something, you know? So apparently I dumpster dive. (laughs) (laughs) So on episode 18, I had Derek Havlicek on. He's an artist out of San Francisco. And he was telling me that he grew up and he he had a really tight budget. You know, there wasn't a lot of money and right. canvases are expensive. Yeah. So he would actually dumpster dive as well. So you're not the only one. <laughs> Hilarious. And he, he would uh-huh. dumpster dive for big pieces of uh, plywood and he would paint <laughs> on the plywood. That's awesome. I love it. I mean, uh, you know, who... You know, who's to say inspiration has to come from a canvas in a store, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. And, and another, I had a professor, actually the, the head of art here at the University of Kentucky on a couple of days ago. 
George Seike. Uh, he's a doctor, George Seike. Actually, he's from Hungary. Uh-huh. Basically, he uh, teaches art students to go to these other schools with these children that were in the art room, and he and he teaches them how to play to create art. I mean, literally they just take their surroundings and they, they create art. And he does the same thing himself where he grabs different belongings out of nature and he uses anything in his surrounding to actually paint. He got rid of all of his brushes and he like grab a rock and he'll use it and then he'll grab some straw and then he'll use it. And, and uh, it's pretty crazy. Like he's taken these huge, huge sheets or mats or something uh-huh. And spreading them across like acres and acres and dragging them across nature. And oh, they'll just wow. pick all those surroundings up that are at that particular spot at one time uh-huh. and use it to paint onto that giant canvas. And oh, that's drag so it some cool. more. That is so neat. I love that. That's a, that's, that's very, very cool. I love, um, you know, different things like totally original and inspired, you know, there's, there's a part of me and I'm always complaining about this to my husband, you know, that wants to draw the perfect person, you know, or wants to paint the perfect flower. Um, and, you know, I'll probably take some classes at some point, you know, so that I can that I can, you know, work on that because I think that's some skill that I probably need to have. Um, but at the same time, I feel like you know, sometimes if it gets too schooled, you know, or too proper or too precise or pristine, I mean, that kind of, you know, eliminates some of the beauty of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody's creative in their own manner. And that's the beauty of art where you don't have to perfect anything. You're doing what is coming out of your mind. And it's amazing. I mean, if I wanted to go outside and, you know, take my pants off and then use them to paint the street, (laughs) I could be some pretty, I mean, it might be some pretty scary artwork, but you know, your neighbors probably be shocked. (laughs) Yeah. And if, if you want to, you know, take paint and whatever other utensils you might use and, and make these ordinary windows that somebody was going to throw away into something magnificent, you know, you're free to do that and, and it's coming from you. So it, that's all that matters. And it's, and it's beautiful. I mean, I've seen your work. I saw that recent picture from that, from the moon tower festival. And I think you had a lot, a lot of artwork sitting there that was just amazing. Well, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to look at it and think, you know, it's amazing, but, but I like it. You know, I just love being able to fill the whole, you know, the whole, I want to say canvas, but the whole glass up with colors, you know, I just love how they work together and the different, you know, textures and things like that, that I can create. I look at it and I just look at it and I say, you know, that makes my eyes feel good, you know? (laughs) Yeah. The feeling after completing something like that is always fantastic. So when, when you were a child, did you ever know that you would grow up to want to have this kind of creative outlook and start doing this kind of stuff? Was it ever in the back of your head like, hey, I would like to start painting something? Or was it just something that you did one day on a whim and and just found out how much you loved it? You know, I think probably maybe in, maybe in the back of my mind, you know, I thought that might be something that I might, I might be good at. I definitely and think that, um, I would ever, you know, have the courage to pursue it, you know? Um, but, um, as my boss at work says, you know, I'm finally using my powers for good and 
evil because um, I get into I get I don't get into trouble at work, but I'm always into some type of mischief, you know. So my mind is always going, you know. We you know have a ton of fun at work, and um, so you know playing practical jokes and you know stuff like that. So if it's not fun, I don't want to do it, you know. And uh, this is really very very fun for me, you know. Yeah, and I've been a huge fan of pizza parties my whole life. <laughs> I think those are pretty fun, so I have a lot of them. Yeah, I think we just had one tonight, too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, who who would you say some of your creative influences are? Like, do you have any favorite artists or favorite authors uh, or anybody that you kind of look up to that you, oh, yeah. you take Absolutely. bits and pieces from and model yourself to kind of to kind of take off in that direction. I'm a huge reader or I used to be before the kids. Now, you know, they're a little older, so I can read a little bit more now, but, um, there's a woman, I think she's out of Louisville actually. So she's, she's pretty close, but, uh, Sina Jeter Nasland, she wrote a book called Ahab's wife. And it's this huge, amazing book. I don't even know how many pages there are, but I have read it like countless times. And, um, you know, there's really nothing I like more than like a, a, a huge, amazing book from cover to finish, you know, like you sit down with it and you're like, it's just going to be awesome. You know, um, she's like a huge influence for me. I'd love to be able to write like that. Um, I think probably another one, probably author wise. Um, and I'm probably pronouncing his last name all wrong, but the guy who wrote, um, house of sand and fog, which I think is an amazing story. Um, I think it's beautiful. It's painful all at the same time. And, and you can really just get in there and, and know what the characters are thinking. But um, the guy's name is Andre, maybe like Deboos, De, De I think, the third. Yeah, Debo or something like that. Debo. And um, yeah, but there's actually a uh, photographer that um, I recently discovered, and I know he's been around for a while, but. Shelby Lee Thomas, I think his name is, and he goes and he takes these pictures that are just like uh, amazing and heartbreaking at the same time of these, you know, people living in these Appalachian areas. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of controversy with his photos, but, um, you know, I think he's just kind of, you know, this is how it is, you know, they're, they're beautiful and they're, you know, some of them are dirty and, you know, they've got animals and it's just very like gritty. And I've, that's, that's really been an inspiration to me, you know, that, that you could tell so much of a story through just a single, you know, photograph. I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah. It's beautiful. People that actually go out there and, and capture society and culture. And uh, there's a photographer and I cannot think of his name for the life of me right now. Uh, but he has gotten, he's taken initiative to get out there in the water and he actually photographs waves as they're breaking underneath yeah. the wave. That's amazing. So he gets out there underneath these giant waves and you should see some of the shots that he gets. And I'll do my best to remember to put a link to him in the show notes on this as well. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're, they're unbelievable. And I'll, I'll try to link you to them so you can check it out. I love that. You know, that people can um, tell a story through, um, you know, through something that's not talking or moving or, you know what I mean? I, th I think that's, that's such a skill. And I would love to be able to do something like that one day. Well, I think you do in your artwork. I mean, some artists have this amazing underlying talent to convey messages through their art that other people can perceive as well. But I think that whether the audience can perceive them or not, it's something that is in everybody's artwork. I mean, I think there's a story into every single piece of art that you make. Something is going on in your head and that's why you're creating it. 
would you say that that's something that you think about when you're creating those, uh, or is it just kind of free flow out? Um, you know, I've tried the free flow thing and, um, I'd say two times out of every 15, one time out of every 15, maybe I'll come up with something that I'm like, okay, this looks cool. You know, uh, free flow does not work well for me. And maybe it's, um, just because now not saying that everything is planned out. There are many pieces that are not, they're not planned out. There's some that are more strategic than others. Um, but I, I know when I'm starting on something, I don't just, you know, prepare the, you know, window frame and, you know, and then just get the brushes and go, you know, in my mind in some form or another, you know, it may not be, you know, specific as, okay, this line is here, this line is here. I know the end result that I'm going for. Um, and what I've really enjoyed about working on the glass, it's, it's a totally different medium, um, is that you can go back and change everything. Nothing is permanent. And, and I'm sure working on canvas is kind of the same way because you can layer over the top and that type of thing. Um, but when I'm working with like a transparent medium, I can go back and if I look at it and I say, gosh, it's just not right. You know, my husband's looking at it and he's like, you're right. There's something missing. There's something missing. I can wait for a couple of days, you know, think about it. And I'm just like obsessed. I'm like consumed with it. You know, like people will be talking to me and I'll be like, what? Oh yeah. I think I need some red, you know? <laughs> and like, what are you talking about? But, um, I'll think about it and think about it and think about it. And then I can come back and say, okay, this is the missing piece. So, you know, I think maybe the idea is what is, um, you know, in my mind and planned out, but, um, but never, never what it's going to look like. Yeah. I think that's a point that any artist can really make, you know, you always have this perception of what you want it to be. And I actually had one artist on who said that she will do uh, rough after rough after rough draft to develop it, to be exactly what she's thinking in her head. So you don't hear that very often, No, uh, but I know when I start doing, you know, art on any type of canvas or anything, you know, it evolves into something magnificent that I would have never guessed from the beginning. I had a slight idea, but once you yeah. get there, it's, it's, it's amazing. I think that's the same way for musicians and other types of performing arts as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think, um, you know, for me just kind of starting out, um, the cool thing is, is that I'm actually like, learning as I go. And I'm not talking about like learning as in, okay, this type of pain is going to do this. This stroke is going to do this. I mean, yeah, I'm learning that too. And oftentimes the hard way, <laughs> but, um, I, I'm, I'm learning how to get, um, kind of, you know, the, I'm learning the little, the little rules that nobody taught you, you know, like that, you know, if you don't like it, change it, you know, don't be afraid to change it. It's either going to be really awful when you're done and that's okay because at least you tried but there's nothing worse than looking at something and saying, gosh, that looks unfinished and you really can't figure out why. And you just know if you put that one little thing on there, I mean, it just needs a little bit of something and you can't figure it out that, uh, it will be, it will be complete. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult to look at something and say, okay, that's, it's just not, it's just not ready and you can't figure out. So there's little things that I'm learning and, and, you know, like, I don't know, like I listen to music while I paint. Um, so, I'm kind of learning to kind of how to get into that little Zen state of, you know, okay, I'm doing the right thing. You know, my strokes are working, the colors are good, you know, everything is coming together. And I think that's a, that's a learned state as well. Kind of like a, you know, kind of like meditation or, you know, something like that. It's a, it's a, 
learned place that, that you have to get your mind and, uh, you know, various people have different ways of getting there. I've tried drinking while I'm painting and that doesn't work. That <laughs> just makes me tired. And then I watch like Orange County Housewives or something like that. But, um, but, uh, yeah, music for me, you know, that helps. So I'm learning little, little things along the way that are, that are, I'm, I'm improving because of it, you know? And yeah, you got to get into that figgity funkity little groove. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know, um, you know, I don't know, I mean, how good am I going to get at that? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I, I would like to be able to, of course, get there faster, but I don't know. Is that something that people chase? you know, for a, for a lifetime kind of figuring out how to get there? Or, or is that a learned thing that you can kind of say, okay, this kind of music gets me this place or, you know, this activity gets me here. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, but, think uh, it's, I think it's a persistence thing that you'll figure it out. You know, you, get, you kind of get into these little funks and you get into these little grooves and you know, you know, when you're in a certain mood, you want to listen to this type of music and it might help you create a certain type of artwork as compared to, right. you know, running around the road, listening to death metal, doing like naked snow angels and then going right. to create artwork. <laughs> and you just never know, right. but, but you'll get into your own, your own groove and your old funk and you'll be able to, to kind of fill those out and, and you'll always be progressing as long as you stay persistent. Right. Right. I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten better. I've gotten better. So do you, can you take us through, you know, for people that are out there listening how you take these windows from when you pull them out of the trash or wherever you may be getting them from now uh-huh. to how you prepare them to the point where you actually can start painting on them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it's a multi-day process. Um, so, um, definitely if you can find some windows in somebody's trash, great. You should grab them and then you should call me and I'll give them, <laughs> give them to me. But, um, no, um, so, you know, I, I, I like to try to find the rattiest, ugliest old windows that I possibly can because it's much, um, they're much more interesting the rougher they are and the more unfinished they are. Um, the new pretty windows don't work as well because um, I just don't think they're that attractive. Um, and then I really have to go back and scuff them up, you know? So, um, so I'll, you know, like, because not everybody's throwing out windows or I'm not digging through everybody's trash every night. I mean, not every night, but, <laughs> um, so I will go and I'll buy them, you know, at like these little places, like, you know, like Habitat for Humanity, you know, or something like that. And they're inexpensive, which is good for me because I have three kids. I don't have a ton of money. Um, so, um, so I'll go through and, um, you know, stacks of these old nasty windows, like little spiders on them and globs of dirt, you know, and, you know, layers of grime and I'll just pick out the grossest ones that I can. Um, and then from there, you know, I do some sanding and then I paint, you know, three or four, maybe coats of paint. Um, and to get the color combinations that I like, I'm really like in black these days. So like, I'll do like a, like a green underneath and a black on the top and then I'll go back with sandpaper and I'll scuff it all up. Um, so it looks like it's super, super worn. Um, and that's one thing I like about these is that they're not, it's like me, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not a trained anything, um, but I'm creative and I can do interesting things. And, um, when that wood around the frame of the window is really scuffed up, I think that's really, um, you know, uh, it, it's a suitable frame for what's going on the glass, you know? 
what's going on the glass, you know, that a paint is not anything that's necessarily taught or anything like that, but it's like a clash of colors, you know, a bunch of colors coming together and different designs and something that's rough and unschooled. And, and I think that the frame kind of, you know, suits what's going in there. Um, so then from there, you know, it's a couple of days of painting, um, multiple layers because glass is very, very unforgiving. Um, you have to go back and recoat and recoat and recoat to make sure that the, the um, are dark enough. Um, so um, I have like a huge stack of windows right now next to me in the house and my children have been forbidden, you know, from like jumping. We have like this little cutout window thing and our like old Cape Cod house and uh, the kids climb up on this window that looks into the kitchen. They call it the chipmunk tree. And so I'm like, no more chipmunk tree because I've got all these glass <laughs> windows no over here. So chipmunk tree. <laughs> no more chipmunk tree. Yeah. We speak our own language in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Um, probably then the next step, you know, after my children don't crash through the windows that are all living in my house right now, um, it's probably to varnish them, you know, um, so of course go to Lowe's, get some of the, you know, wood finishing varnish and like a nice, you know, shellac or something for the back to kind of protect them. But, uh, other than that, I mean, that, that's about it. Um, and then there's also the process that my husband has to go through listening to me agonize about what colors are needed where, and, you know, I'm sure he's really tired of that, but <laughs> It's a good thing he's a patient man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to have patience if you're a guy or otherwise you just get in the doghouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spend a lot but, of time um, there. Yeah, yeah. Luckily for him, he doesn't, though. I think, you know, he's pretty good. <laughs> so if you if you had to uh, spend or if you got the chance to spend a little bit of time with anybody from the past or present creating something – who do you think you would choose to spend that time with and what would you create? If I went, you know, artist or painter wise, um, I would probably choose Edvard Munch. I mean, I think, um, you know, a lot of his, um, his artwork is so, um, I mean, so, so gritty. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of pain, you know I mean? I think about, of course, you know, everybody thinks about the scream, um, I love how, um, all the colors on the, on the painting, I mean, are telling a story. I mean, it's just like pools of colors and then there's these figures and then he obviously is so tormented, you know, I mean, and it's not like a perfect, um, a perfect figure. So I think that draws me to it. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of stuff where he's, you know, the portraits and the women and, you know, all that stuff, but, but I love that because it's, it's just so, so raw, you know, um, so probably him, um, and then probably, you know, for an author, definitely, you know, like I mentioned before, Cena, Jeter Nasland, or Hey, how about George R. Martin with Game of Thrones? I mean, I would love to sit down with him and just, you know, write a book. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, sitting in a dark room with that guy could get a little scary though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sitting in a dark room with any guy might get a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're right. So, if you had to battle Godzilla, uh -huh. how how would you use your creativity or talents to defeat that big, ugly bastard? I don't know about my creativity, but I would probably throw my wine glass at him, and then I would probably release my children upon him. And I think they would they would do the job pretty nicely. <laughs> that's that's putting resources to use right there. That's right. That's right. But you would finish <laughs> your creative. wine. You would finish your wine first, obviously. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There would be nothing in the glass. 
So what what if you could hang out with Willy Wonka or, or Richard Simmons? You know, who, oh, if you had to hang out with one of those two crazy bastards, who do you think you would choose? Oh my gosh. No, Willy Wonka is just creepy. So I couldn't hang out with him. <laughs> I mean, Richard Simmons may be a little creepy too, but uh, he just looks like a lot of fun. He's sweating it up. I mean, I, you know, I probably, I mean, he, he'd be a good one to go out with. I think he could probably break it down on the dance floor. So I think some, Richard Simmons would be a good choice. Dancing. What if Willy Wonka was dressed like Richard Simmons? Then that would be even creepier, and I'd probably just go home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Anyways, so we're getting here into the closing minutes, Rachel, and it's been a lot of fun having you on. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and and your insights and your value and and your kind of ups and downs of getting started. Because everybody out there that is sitting on the verge of something that they want to do, just do it. I know you might think that it's not possible or that you don't have time uh, or that you don't have enough money or that you just, you just can't do it. You know, who's going to think you're good enough, but it's all bullshit. Like throw it out the window, just do it. And you'll realize soon enough that it's the only thing that you really want to be doing. So do you have any closing advice uh, you think any listeners can find value in? Yeah, I mean, definitely. uh, Well, I don't know how much value, but uh, you know, um, like we were talking about before, you Look until you find that niche. Who cares? Who cares if other people like it or not? Because if you love doing it, there are going to be some people out there that like it. You know, and uh, you know, if you have to give it away, give it away. You know, it, as long as you enjoy doing it. And I definitely, definitely suggest some dumpster diving. <laughs> Everybody out there, do a little dumpster diving <laughs> and wear an amazing outfit before you do it. You know, dress up in something awesome, like yeah, a onesie like or. Simmons. <laughs> yeah, like, like Richard Simmons or a onesie or something. <laughs> so how can how can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to check out some of those windows or uh, have well, any questions that they want to ask you? You definitely um, hit me up on Facebook. Um, you can drop me an email. Um, emails uh, vuerk2 at gmail.com. Um, and and uh, like I said, you know, I've been kind of shy about all this, so I really haven't made it very public that I'm doing this. Of course, the girls at work are all sick of hearing about it because I obsessed, you know, about this for a very long time, you know, where the weather I'm going to do it or, you know, that type of thing. But I might, you know, maybe make a, you know, website. I, I think I've, you know, um, I've got one right now, but I haven't really published it. You know, um, I don't know if, if, you know, I don't know if doing that is the right thing or not, you know, but, um, definitely I'll, I think I'll probably start a Facebook page. Um, but I'll, will be at the Woodland Arts Fair next year. You know, I didn't, um, I didn't sign up in time this year. So, um, Lexington, Kentucky, I'll be at the Woodland Arts Fair next year. So I'm definitely starting now and kind of stockpiling some pieces to take out there. So I will definitely be out there for sure. And there's plenty of other art and music festivals where you, you can gather. I mean, they happen left and right all around. So I highly suggest you check them out uh, more and more. Small counties, big counties, anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. This area. And I'll let you know if I come across any and everybody else out there. It is extremely important. You cannot help yourself more than to go out locally and meet people that are just like you because you would be amazed with the kind of relationships you can build by doing that and where it can where it can put you in the future. So I would agree. I would agree. But for now, I'm just going to have fun. Yeah. Just have fun and keep it heady. Yeah. So Rachel, thanks so much for being the archapreneur now. (laughs) I 
love it. Thanks and for having me. Always remember to dress up like Richard Simmons and keep it heady. <laughs> I'm wearing a onesie right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Heath. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur Now podcast. For all the show notes and more information, please visit artsynow.com. That's A-R-T-S-Y now.com. Thank you. The music for this podcast was provided by Shaky Feeling out of Ventura, California. For more information, please visit shakyfeeling.com. Keep it funky.